Hello, my name is Mary-Kate, and I would like to share with you the history of Broadway. Hello, my name is Samantha. There are very many haunts in this most amazing place. Hi everyone, welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK. And I'm Sam. And we are back with another episode. Sam, you want to tell them where we're headed today? We are headed to the Great White Way, Broadway, New York City, New York. We're going to be talking about haunted Broadway theaters. That's so exciting. I'm so excited. As a theater gal, you might have a little bit of input on some of these productions. Oh, absolutely. I think that we both uh, are very versed in theater. Mary Kate, you did. You starred, first of all, as Gabriella Montez in your seventh grade production of High School Musical. That's it. I'm so impressed that you remember that that was seventh grade. Because I I thought it was the, I did think it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, And I was jealous because like as you were doing that, I was playing like Scuttle in The Little Mermaid. You weren't playing Honk. (laughs) No, that was sixth grade. Yeah, I played like birds all throughout (laughs) middle school. (laughs) And then you got to play like Gabriella, so I was like, (laughs) but, um. But we're both very into theater. I majored in theater in college. Obviously, it paid off. Look at me now. <laughs> but um, so we both have a ton of knowledge. We both love Broadway. So we thought this would be the perfect haunt to dive into. But before we do, Mary-Kate, you had some things to say? Yes, I do. So first off, just a couple of laundry list items. Um, sign up for our new newsletter. There's a form at the bottom of our website and we're going to be sending out weekly updates, sneak peeks, and hints for future episodes. And then if you sign up for our Patreon, you'll get a separate Patreon newsletter that'll give you voting power for new episodes, exclusive information, and early access to merchandise, which is coming in the future in the works and bonus episodes voting power that's pretty cool isn't that we're a democracy here at east coast haunts yes we are we believe in the power (laughs) of the people um also very exciting news so i'm sure some of you remember that probably about two weeks ago we released an episode on the watcher house in westfield and we mentioned that there's a series on netflix coming out Well, this series from Ryan Murphy, who's the same guy of American Horror Story. And Dahmer, which just came out too. Yes. Um, It has a release date set of October 13th. So we will be watching it and we'll be comparing it to the real life case, maybe with a special guest. Yeah, I'm excited. Very exciting. And then also, there is a new Jersey Devil movie. (laughs) It's called The Devil You Don't. Okay. And it's completely shot in the Pine Barrens. Wow. So that's kind of neat. How, how high, is this like a student film or is it like a legit? I think it's a more of like an indie okay. film, but we still got to watch it. I would love to know how they're going to portray the Jersey Devil. It's more, there's a trailer out for okay. it right now. It's more like the historical background and the climate of the time. Oh, okay. Like kind of like what we were talking about with like the whole Ben Franklin thing, yeah. like the almanac. And then, I know. The drama with the almanac. And then they're going to get into, like... Mother leads. Exactly. Yeah, we'll definitely have to watch that. That's cool. Very exciting stuff. And then, as promised on our Instagram, thank you everyone for participating in our trivia contest. And we're going to give a little shout out to our winner, Zach Herbin. Zachary, we're so proud of you. You're a true horror movie buff. 
I really just want to put it out there that this was not rigged in any way. The winner does happen to be Mary Kate's boyfriend, but which it truly was not rigged. Although I do see how it looks to the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> he is a little bit of like a savant when it comes to these, when it comes to like movies and even yeah. which um, we had a lot of people guess the tiebreaker question, which yeah. was um, there was one about the exorcist. And then there was one that was, what was the release date of Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. And the answer was June 12th, 1968. And Zach knows movie years like at the drop of a hat. That's cr- it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And then being the lovely man that he is, he guessed 6-9 for 1968. So he ended up being three days off, which set him apart from our second place winner. Well, so whatever he did, it worked. So congrats, Zach. Congratulations. Um, we'll be doing more contests soon, I think. Yeah, because that was really fun. <laughs> it was fun. And you guys seem to enjoy it, too. Yeah. So, exciting news. But now, without further ado, let's get into some fun Broadway questions. Ease our way into the episode. Yeah, just to get to know your Broadway persona. Okay. Ooh, okay. Let's go. All right. Since I can't ask you to pick your favorite show that you've seen, I'm going to ask you to give me a top three. Okay. That you've seen. That I've seen. Yes. All right. Straight away, I'm going to have to say Book of Mormon, okay, which we excellent. saw together years and years ago. Oh, great. Um, we were definitely much too young to see it. Like, Probably, Apparently, yeah. my my paternal grandma got mad and my parents were letting me see it. Really? Yeah. Because oh, <laughs> it was very, back then, that was like very inappropriate. Well. Um, but that was absolutely <laughs> one of my top three. Okay, so Book of Mormon. My number two, and this is not in a particular order or gotcha. anything, um, I would say would be Wicked, okay. which I know it's basic. But it's basic for a reason. It is so good. It's so good. and It's, I, it's so good. I've liked, I remember I like, like when I first heard the song popular, like years oh. and years and years ago in like elementary school, I was obsessed with it. So like Wicked will always hold a special place in my heart. I remember you being obsessed with popular because you know how Alphabet has like two lines in that. I know where this is going. We used to perform it for the parents and you would be Glinda <laughs> and I would be Alphaba and I'd literally sit there. She just goes like, <laughs> um, thanks. And that's like it. <laughs> um, I have to go. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> and I was like, I'll be Glinda. Um, so that's definitely one of them. And I would say number three. Um, I feel like I've seen Les Mis. Actually, I think I've only seen Les Mis once, but that is like probably like one of my favorite shows of all time. Really? Just because it's so it's such a classic. The music is so good. I'm gonna be honest. I've never listened to the soundtrack, and I've never seen it. A lot of people don't like it. And I've it. never seen the movie. It's very polarizing. I feel like it's one that I have to listen but it's to. Though. So good. like I literally love it. And actually, when I saw it, I saw it while it was on tour, and this was like years ago. I was probably in like eighth grade. And Gavroche, who is like the little boy, yeah. was played by Gaten Maserato. Oh, from Stranger Things. Yes. Oh my god. So I've, me, myself, my little sister and I have a photo with him. Wait, that's so neat. And it was like before he was, I mean, obviously he was already like fairly famous because he was like touring, but this was before Stranger Things. So that like, is so neat. I know, isn't that cool? It's a little claim to fame. So I would say those are my top three. What okay. are yours? Um, I would say... Little Shop of Horrors, of course, is phenomenal. We saw it this past like spring, yeah, and we saw it with Christian Borle, and he's just unreal. He's he is insane. so funny. Yeah, 
So, you know, my sister actually played Audrey in her high school production of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, she was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was one of the best high school shows I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. It was amazing. It was, like, Broadway-level quality. So, definitely that. Book of Mormon, obviously. Of course. I've seen that twice now, and it just gets funnier every Every time. Every time, yeah. And then my third would probably have to be Cats. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god, ew! I, did you see my face like falter? I was like, uh, are you kidding me? I was like, I didn't even know you saw cats. I've seen cats twice now. Why? Not, not my own That's choice. That's crazy. Um, You're funny. I literally was like, Ugh. I actually, I think cats gets a lot of hate because of the movie. The yeah. soundtrack to cats is not bad, and it's, and not it's bad. impressive with the dancing, but. Yeah. I would rather go see a show that's more singing and acting heavy than dance heavy. I completely Does that agree. Make sense? And okay. also, Cats doesn't have too much of a plot. Yeah, no, it so. doesn't. It, I, if you asked me to sit here and explain to you the plot, I really don't know if I could. Um, and then I guess my third would probably have to be Since It's On The Mind, because I literally just saw it as Beetlejuice. That, I, I was wondering if you're going to do that one. Yeah, you literally just saw it this weekend. Yes, and it was phenomenal. Alex Brightman... He was born to play that role. Well, it's got all your favorite things. It's got spookiness, spookiness. funniness, musicalness. Yes, and Carrie Butler. Right? Yeah, so you had her. a lot of the OGs, which is cool. All right, now on to the question. next question. Um, what is your dream role? And you can pick a starring and then a supporting role. I like that a lot. I would say... I, I would say... For starring, I think Elle Woods would be really Obviously. fun. I do think that would be so fun. This is my same answer. And I do think, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and I think for supporting, I don't know if this is technically supporting. It might be slightly more lead. I would love to play Eponine in Les Mis. Okay. Because, like, it's a fair, it's a big role, but it's not, like, Valjean or anything. Who is that in the movie? Who is that played by? In the Anne m- Hathaway? No. Um, Amanda it's played Seyfried? Samantha Barks. Oh, okay. So not it's the one that sings on my own. On my oh, own. Oh, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that would be, I guess that would be that one. What I'm about to cut that out. That's older. No, you you're fine. <laughs> Who is your supporting? Barbara Maitland. In Beetlejuice. Ah, someone's got Beetlejuice on the oh, brain. Well, okay. Yes. I know that I literally have it on the brain, but when they describe her as like the pottery barn and dry white wine side, like that's never like a line in a musical has never spoken to my soul as much as that one. And then you're like, I was just understands like, me. This is me. <laughs> that would be your typecast, as they say in showbiz. Good. All right, what's one Broadway song that if it came on, you would never skip it? Joanna from Sweeney Todd. I think that is okay. My number one Broadway song of all time. I love it. Joanna. I love it. All right, it's okay. so good. You know who's obsessed with that? Who? Uh, my little sister Hope. Yeah. Who introduced her to Sweeney Todd? You. I think so. Probably. Hope, let me know. Text me when you hear this <laughs> and let me know. I, Because I remember we would talk about Sweeney Todd like when I was doing it my freshman year of college. Um, we'll connect. <laughs> What's your answer? Um, probably Man Up from Book of Mormon. 
Yeah, it is that's literally a good hype up song. so good. I'll listen to it on the way into work. I'll listen to it. <laughs> I'll listen to it on the way into work, and it'll literally get me like so pumped up. Sometimes when I'm exercising, I listen to that song. It's why is it so? And good? like when like, everyone's like, singing all together at the end. Got to man up! It's so I good. love it when musicals do that. That's why in Hamilton, nonstop is my favorite because it was yeah. like, right at the end of Act One. The the song. The act Always one finale. Exactly. Yeah. Is usually my favorite yeah. in the musical. Like, That's fair. Because, yeah, it's, it's building, so up to, good. building up tension to the next act. All right. Now. Next question. All right. A musical that surprised you, and it can either be good or bad. Um, I have tried so many times to like, and I know this is going to be insulting to a lot of people, I don't like Dear Evan Hansen. I understand that. Thank you. I don't. Agree, agree per se but i do understand okay thank you i just there's something about it like there's a couple songs that i like but nothing else like does it for me for it some doesn't, reason in my mind i saw it with the original cast okay i've never seen i've never seen it and, and i've also never seen the movie <laughs> in my mind like and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i did yeah. go through my dear evan hansen phase now looking back on it it doesn't like stand out to me okay does that make sense like I loved the music Sincerely Me was like my go-to shower yes. song for a very long time, but it's not like, st- it, I don't think back on it and like, wow, it like wow me. Yeah. You know? Um, and yours? Mine is a good surprise. Okay, let's hear it. I did not think I was going to like Jersey Boys as much as I did. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Because I was... I was kind of like going into it. Like I've always loved older music. Yes. Always. I had a radio show in college where I would just play like 70s through like the 90s. Yeah. But I was never really into like the 60s music until I saw that one for the first time. And I was like, this is so good. So good. That play was incredible. It has a very minimalist set. And it's just like everything about it is perfect and i usually don't like jukebox musicals you know like that's fair you that know that and mamma mia are the only ones that i like okay i have to right? think like what are the other jukebox musicals oh there's a billy joel one that's pretty good um it's it? called moving out i believe okay uh and that one's pretty good okay. the soundtrack to that but it's all Maybe his songs think, yeah so, so if you like billy joel I love then billy joel, yeah. so that's a good one um I can't think of any more. Like Carol King music. Oh, Carole I actually King. really liked that one. I've Beautiful. Seen that. Yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Okay. I, I have to say I have seen like a, a good amount of Broadway shows just because that was like the thing that my family would and you always live close, do. Yeah, yeah, and we were just like a forty-minute train yeah. ride, so we've seen a lot. Okay, now I've got like a couple of rapid-fire questions okay. for you. Just first musical that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Best soundtrack. Best soundtrack. I think that. Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 18, what is it, 1816? I, I thought even... it was 1812, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah it definitely Something. is 1812. Oh my God. <laughs> I think that is one of the best musicals ever, and I think it's so underrated. I agree with you. So that's mine. What's your answer? Um, Best soundtrack? Gosh. Legally Blonde. Okay, fair. I like that a lot. Uh, best costumes? Wicked would be my first thought because okay, yeah, like Glinda's blue dress, I'm like obsessed with. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I love her. When blue she floats dress. down in the bubble, that's like another dream role. But um, all right, best costumes for me. Yeah, I'm going a musical that I don't love otherwise. Okay, polarizing Phantom of the Opera. 
Oh, see, I love Phantom of the Opera. I I understand why people don't, but I love it. It's just like I I don't love opera. Like it's not just but it's like not. The, opera. I know, but it's like it's close enough to okay, the yeah. point where I'm like, eh. Like and it's, it's not something that I'm going to be able to sing along to in the shower, okay. and that's why I don't like it. This is how we're different. I know, but I do agree the costumes I can appreciate are awesome. It, yes. Though. All right, best set. Best set. See, for you this one, I might go Wicked. Yeah. Wicked, when she comes down in, like, the big bubble. And, and they've got, got the, the Emerald The giant City. mask. The, the wizard mask Yes. Thing. Like, yeah, because honestly, nothing else really comes to mind. Beetlejuice had a really cool set. Oh, yeah. Don't they have, like, a the snake thing? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot <laughs> to ask you about that. The sand snake. It's, or sand, sand snake? Yeah. Oh, no. You told me. That's something. <laughs> uh, the striped snake. Yes. Yeah. And then, like. It starts off as, like, the Maitland's home, and then when they die, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> and then, like, the Dietzes move in, then it, like, changes to a different interior of the house, and oh, then cool. when, like, Beetlejuice takes over, then it changes to a completely new interior. Oh, that's it's, really cool. It's really neat. Okay. I would say that's up there, even though I haven't seen it. I guess I would say <laughs> I literally can't think of anything else with a set that blew me away besides, like, Wicked. Yeah. All right. Facts. All right. Excellent. All right, now that that is out of the way, why don't you pick a theater to lead us off with? All right, MK, I think we are going to start with the Richard Rogers Theater. Ooh, okay. Let me give you some background. Please do. So the Richard Rogers Theater opened back in 1925. Gotcha. Kind of a weird time to open a theater, though, right before the Great Depression. Well, I, know. I guess they didn't I guess yeah, it was the, the Roaring Twenties. They weren't yeah. worried about that. Um, <laughs> It's located in the theater district of Midtown Manhattan. And as I was writing these notes, this was the first one I was researching. And I realized they were all located in the theater district. <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> so I, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, and it has about 1,300 seats. Uh, okay. 1,319 to be exact. Is that big or small? I would say it's fairly big. Okay. Yeah, I would say that's like, a, I would say, I would say that's like prop, like pretty much on par. Yeah. But, um, there are some with more, some with less. I would say it's like middle. Okay, gotcha. Um, it has over, oh, oops, uh, over its almost 100 year history, the Richard Rogers Theater has hosted 11 Tony Award winning productions. Ooh. Some of the most well known ones are Guys and Dolls. Okay. How to Succeed in Business. Wasn't that uh, Daniel Radcliffe? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Although I think they might have, um, this might have been the original production that, that okay. were in there. I'm not sure though. Maybe it was both. Uh, in the Heights, and of course, probably definitely the, the most well known Hamilton. Ah, uh, how did I forget that for best soundtrack? That soundtrack is really oh, I forgot. Good. Yeah, I know. It was almost like too obvious. I know. We had to give the little guys a chance. Yeah, true. Uh, and Hamilton began its run in this theater in 2015, and has continued ever since. Besides the Shocking. Broadway shutdowns, of course. Yeah. So. The theater was originally named Chanin's 46th Street Theater, or just simply 46th Street Theater. Is that because it's on 46th Street? Rumor has it, yes. I mean, yeah, it is, I think, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, is, it is on 46th Street, so. Then yes, that is definitely the reason. <laughs> um, but the name was changed to the Richard Rogers Theater in 1990. Do you know who Richard Rogers is? I have absolutely no clue. So, you might know him when I say... Uh, the part of the duo he's in, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh my God! Yes, so he's huge. He he's okay. like iconic, like probably yes. one of the biggest composers. Yeah, like of all time. So 
Yeah, once you hear it with Hammerstein, it's yeah, like Rodgers oh, and Hammerstein, duh. So some of the hits of Rodgers and Hammerstein include The Sound of Music. That was Rodgers and Hammerstein? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oklahoma, The King and I, Carousel, South Pacific, and Cinderella. Cinderella I... is the, the Julie Andrews version. Yes, I saw Cinderella. They're Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. Cinderella for my 16th birthday. My It's really good, me. right? It is phenomenal the one thing i will say about it is it has the best quick change i've ever seen is it when she's like changing she like rips she like her rags turn into her dress and i literally was sitting like watching it happen and i was like how did she just do that it's crazy that's awesome yes they have like pretty much like from like the early 1900s or mid 1900s like they like all the famous shows yeah by them i would say yeah theater and uh, Rogers is also a member of the American Theater Hall of Fame. Not surprising. Shocking. <laughs> um, just a quick fun fact. So in 1980, when the theater was still called 46th Street Theater, the owners at the time were planning to rename the theater the Ethel Merman Theater. Okay. And Ethel Merman is very well known. She originated the role of Rose and Gypsy and Reno yes. and Anything Goes. So she was like super famous. People call her, quote, the undisputed first lady of the musical comedy stage. That is so funny. She was super famous. She's gonna come back. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. They were gonna rename the theater after Ethel Merman, but eventually uh, they settled on Richard Rogers. The outside of the Richard Rogers Theater and the auditorium interior. Wait, no, that's not right there. The outside. The outside of the Richard Rogers Theater and the interior are technically New York City landmarks. Oh, interesting. There was a huge drama with it, though. Uh, the New York City Landmark Preservation Commission. Big name. Okay. <laughs> so they began protecting the theater as a landmark in 1987. But then the three largest theater owners on Broadway, so all three of these big companies that pretty much owned like all of Broadway, they collectively sued that long name the lpc the landmark preservation commission in 1988 so that they could overturn the landmark designation of 22 of the theaters which included the richard rogers theater because they said that if the theaters became landmarks it would significantly limit the extent to which the theaters could be renovated or modified oh okay so if they ever wanted to make a change it would be like a huge process but the lawsuit went all the way up to the supreme court Oh my god and the supreme court sided on the new york city landmark preservation commission so technically they're all still land- all those theaters are still landmarks and that was upheld but only the outside is or also the-, the inside and i think they can renovate but i think they just have to jump through more hoops okay which i guess is good i mean right yeah because you want to preserve a little bit of that history yeah so some fun scandals with that but I would say when I hear Richard Rogers Theater, I think of, of course, Rogers and Hammerstein and also Hamilton. I yes. feel like that's like a big thing right now. Absolutely. I actually took a selfie outside the marquee of the Richard Rogers Theater. Oh, did so you? I'm going to have to post that on that's Instagram. Gonna have to, that's going to have to go Because I was, up. when we were walking the first to the slide. Uh, marquee theater, which is where Beetlejuice is, mm-hmm. it's literally right next door. So I was like, hold on. Ooh, this is going to come pick. up in the episode. 
you were thinking ahead. I was. Always. So, do you want to get into the haunts now that I've I given sure you do. the basics of the history? So, in the Richard Rogers Theater, there is said to be the ghost of a small child who just... It's kind of like a residual haunt because he just runs out of the dressing room Ooh. with red lipstick smeared on his face. <laughs> That's cute. Aww. Which is kind of cute, but like he literally doesn't do anything else. Okay. Like he doesn't interact with anyone. It's just like That'd be they'll see him like run out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but doors will open and close on their own, which is a very common theme with this, with the Broadway hauntings. Okay. And props fly off the shelves, Ooh. which is, I have to imagine, kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, because especially yeah. Imagine trying to like find a prop. You're like yeah, you're about to go on stage. Go on. The stress. You miss your cue. Miss your cue. Uh, the chandeliers, which are like a big kind of focal point in the theater. Uh, yeah, what do you call that? Like the audience, like the mezzanine? auditorium, the mezzanine. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if it's the mezzanine. I, I just know. said that. <laughs> in within the theater, uh-huh. they tend to swing with no breeze. <gasps> they just the opera vibe. I know. Um, there's the sounds of walking, like above on the balconies, and howling. Howling. That's weird to me. Maybe I don't someone's like warming up. Their Maybe voice. <laughs> <laughs> doing some vocal exercises, a la. Sharpay in high school. Yeah. High school. <laughs> but that's not howling. It's a little sus. Um, there's also a pair of ghosts known as. <laughs> are you laughing at my notes? Yes. <laughs> known as the redheads. So it's a boy and a girl, Ginger, in mezzanine row H and box B, and they appear at exactly 2 a.m. Okay. Which. Who's I in the theater at 2 a.m., though? The night guards. Okay. So this raises the question, like, do gingers actually have souls? <laughs> she has a whole bullet point that just says, do gingers have souls? Question mark. It's a valid question. Well, if, I think if they're haunting, then they, I mean. They do so have yes. some sort of spirit, I guess. Yeah. So did we just solve a lifelong question? Do we just crack the Da Vinci Code? Perhaps. Gingers do have souls final answer <laughs> it's Lock interesting it in. it's interesting that it's mostly um child ghosts in there yeah right yeah i mean honestly the richard rogers there's a lot more more haunted theaters on yeah. broadway but there is still like apparitions of we're starting here. with a, a theme yeah, one a mild one so should we get into the next one sure all right so let's get into the new amsterdam theater this place is very old. It actually opens in 1903. Ooh. So it's been over for well over 100 years. Oh my gosh. It's also, again, located in the theater district. Go figure. <laughs> and it's also an official landmark. So it was also in that drama with like the lawsuit and stuff. Right. Okay. It has about 1,700 seats. Okay, so, so this is a little more. bit of a bigger one. Yeah, yeah, pretty big. And it is actually currently operated by Disney Theatrical Productions. And it's currently home to Aladdin. So the last three shows that have been there have been obviously Aladdin, which is current. There's yes. Mary Poppins. And before that, there was Lion King. Right. So this is almost like, I think of it as like the Disney the Theater. The Disney Theater, yeah. Um, it was named, so the New Amsterdam Theater is like kind of a weird name. It was named for the 17th century Dutch settlement of New Amsterdam, which was located on the southern tip of Manhattan. Oh, so okay. So like that was called New Amsterdam. 
and I guess then in Patriot, New York. Yeah. yeah, so New Amsterdam Theater. Interesting. From 1913 to 1927, the New Amsterdam Theater was the home of the Ziegfeld Follies, which, have you heard of those? I sure have. Yes. yes. It was basically like a bougie, lavish French review, and the review is like a series of short sketches and songs. Okay. Um, I was wondering what like a folly was. Yeah. Like, I've definitely heard of them, and I knew it the was follies. like- The yes. follies. Yes. And there, was all, there were always like scantily clad chorus girls. Like, it was a little bit scandalous, and like they would do like little songs and little skits. How it was racy. Satirical. So they were really well known for the Ziegfeld Follies for a while. In 1937, it was actually converted into a movie theater, and it stayed that way until 1983. Interesting. Yeah, so for okay. like 50 years, basically, it was a movie theater, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, then it was leased by Disney, it was renovated, and it became home to Lion King, Mary Poppins, and now Aladdin. Do you know how it was leased to Disney? The chairwoman, Marion High School. Okay. She was like the chairwoman of the development of 42nd Street, which is where the New Amsterdam Theater is, but she was close family friends with Michael Eisner, who was the chairman of Walt Disney at the time, and he's known as being, like, depending on who you ask, either the best chairman of Disney or the worst, because he made some really erratic decisions. (laughs) But then he allotted some Imagineers to oversee the renovation of the theater. Okay. Well, it paid off. Yes, it did. So... And then, do you know what Disney movie premiered at the New Amsterdam Theater in 1997, if that helps? Maybe, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame? I think that was a little bit older. Is it? I don't know, actually. tell me. Hercules. Oh! Which is one of my favorite Disney movies. Great movie. And it's also a musical now. Is it really? Yeah, it wasn't on Broadway. It was off-Broadway, I think. But I I would love to go see that. The Muses on Broadway. Would be so good. That needs to happen. So, okay, interesting. Very interesting. So, can you tell me about some haunts? Is I this sure place can. Haunted? Well, <laughs> I would like to talk about a famous Zig- Ziegfeld Folly girl. And her name was Olive Thomas. Ah. And she is the most active ghost on Broadway in recent like, years. All, like, period on Broadway? Yes. Wow, okay. So they actually have pictures of her hung up around the theater so that audience members and ushers will recognize her and then say hi to her because it's kind of like the same thing with like so Caesar cute. the doll and George from Disney. They that if be... they acknowledge the spirit, the spirit will cause less mayhem okay. during the productions. I'm looking at pictures so, of her. She's so pretty. She's gorgeous, yeah. isn't she? So Olive was a chorus girl in the Ziegfeld Follies in 1915, and then also in the Midnight Frolics, was which were performed on the roof of the. Oh New yeah, Amsterdam I did theater. see something about how there's like a, th- a roof. Yes, and it's like the it's like a race your sister production to the Follies. Race was your like sister. the Frolics. What is a race your sister? It's like a like a more pro- provocative. Oh, I've never heard that. Race your sister? Racier. Racier sister. <laughs> oh! I was like, what? I was like, race your sister? Yes, erase your sister. Yeah, okay. Okay, oh yeah, erase your sister. Okay. Race your God, sister. That was painful. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but okay. then her story kind of gets like a little bit sad because she Aww. got wrapped up in like some of the glitz and the glam of show business. Of course. And got kind of like whisked out to Hollywood 
where she starred in a few silent films and then she met Jack Pickford, okay. who she ended up marrying. But in 1920, she took a trip with jack to paris okay and it was in paris which i don't know why he wouldn't have waited until after the vacation to tell her this but he told her that he had contracted syphilis and she likely had it now too oh wow which is rough the most romantic city in the world (laughs) by the way you have syphilis sorry about that this is the second time syphilis has come up i was just thinking that exactly um and so then the next day she quote unquote accidentally they there's still like a lot of mystery speculation, speculation surrounding the, her death so she accidentally overdosed on mercury bichloride which was prescribed to Jack to treat his syphilis do they think that or do people think that she committed suicide or that he killed her like poisoned her it's not likely that she would have taken the entire bottle of pills yeah. so they like accidentally yeah. so they think it's it was probably suicide okay. but Aww. it's still marked as an accidental overdose. Okay, that's really sad. I know. It makes me sad, but I don't I don't I don't think Jack poisoned her. Yeah. Okay. And then she died 2 days later and she was shipped back to the Bronx and buried at Woodlawn. Wow. Woodlawn Cemetery. Okay. But after her death, like immediately after, yeah, workers and performers still saw Olive backstage, and then some of them hadn't know, like, didn't know that she had died. Yeah, so they tried to interact with her, and she wouldn't talk to them. So they were like, "What is? They're like, Why is Olive? she in a bad mood?" So then they went to like the stage manager, and they were like, "What is with Olive?" And she was like, "She's dead. Olive died." Yeah. And so she was super, super active in the 1920s, but then her activity kind of declined during the Depression when the theater wasn't as much in use. Yeah, there probably wasn't anyone to, like, interact with. But she resurfaced during the 1995 to 1997 rebuild of the theater when workers kept complaining about a girl with a blue pill bottle coming into the construction zone and, like, getting in their way of work. So she took a 50-year hiatus. And then she was was like, like, I'm back, baby. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> and so some people hear someone tap dancing on the stage. She is known to be a full body apparition that speaks. People will mistake her for just being another theater goer, wow. which is kind of crazy. Um, this one kind of freaked me out. If you're downstairs, like underneath the stage, sometimes you can see disembodied feet climbing the staircase to get on stage. Oh yeah, that's freaky. Isn't that weird? So just feet? Just feet. And there was enough paranormal activity one night that a night watchman resigned. He was like, this is it. Immediately was like, I'm out of here. Wow. And he claims that he saw a woman like come into the theater, go on stage, walk across the stage and then walk straight through a wall. And he was like, that's good. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Love and joy. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't even blame him. That's terrifying. And then there's a story right, uh, when Aladdin started, that the theater or the production company hired a female conductor. And the female conductor was sitting in the dressing room before her first performance. And she was just kind of like talking out loud to herself, trying to calm her nerves a little bit. And she was talking out loud. And she asked Olive what she thought of a female conductor. Because obviously Olive was back in the 1915s where like women really didn't do much. Yeah. And... She was sitting at one of those like vanities with the big bulbs. Yes. I and 
the four corners of the vanity started flickering on and off really fast. The four oh light bulbs. God. And then went completely out. And the conductor said that she felt like it was all of winking at her and was like... Yes, That's so I think sweet. it's cool that there's a female conductor. I like Olive a lot. She seems sweet. Oh, I sweet. love Olive. She's so cute. And she is most likely to appear when changes, like little renovations are happening okay. within the theater. Or her name hasn't been mentioned or she hasn't been acknowledged in a while. She's That's like, I need when... some attention. Exactly. Like Tinkerbell, like how she... <laughs> she's, a, she's a stage girl. Like, yeah. what do you expect, you know? Oh, she she's likes sweet. Knowledge. I love Olive. Okay, now I want to go to the New Amsterdam Theater and be like, hey, Olive. <laughs> I want to see if I can see her. Because I know. She's like, she's gorgeous, too. I know, like, I know. Like, really gorgeous. My family saw Aladdin probably a few years ago, and I mm-hmm. wish I had known this story before we went. I know, same. I know. That would have been so neat. Ugh. Maybe we'll have to go see again. Hmm. Aww, I would love Olive. to. She's awesome. Okay. I know, she's so cute. Are we going what to the Sorry, I was like dead silent for some reason. Like, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You to compose yourself. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to be talking about the Imperial Theater. Excellent. If that works for you. Yes. So the Imperial Theater opened in 1923. So it's almost exactly 100 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, need we say again? It's in the theater district. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it's called the theater district. <laughs> it's not in the meatpacking district. <laughs> it's got um, 1,457 seats. So again, sort of like in that That's average range. Okay, gotcha. And it's had obviously a very long history. And in those, in its about 100 years of history, it's hosted plenty of musicals, including 5,000 performances of the 16-year run of Les Mis. Holy so Les Mis cow. was in here for a long time. Yeah. And um, some other notable musicals include Dreamgirls, Gotcha, Filler on the Roof, Ugh. and Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. And if you yeah. ever watch like YouTube videos of that, like they made the set look like a. I know I was just saying I couldn't think of any other cool sets, but now that I'm saying this, I am remembering it. They made the set like did they, they made the whole theater look like an intimate like dining area sort of. I don't know, huh. and it's like. The, the stage was in the middle and like people were all around like in the cert in like a Wait, giant circle. Wait, I kind circle. of love that. It was it's really cool. I mean, I only saw like videos and pictures, but so the Imperial is cool. It's like old. That's it. It's old, <laughs> but it, it, it's cool, right? Yeah. So the, that's kind of like the only the but it hosted like a ton of big shows and it's been around for a long time. I saw that it also had some of the Ziegfeld Follies in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I believe it. Cabaret. And Billy Elliot was also in there. Right, and that's okay. The only reason that I mentioned Billy Elliot is there's that was the production of... that there was like a lot of hauntings okay. recorded during. So getting into that, the Imperial Theater, like I said, Ethel Merman coming back <gasps> is she's haunted. She's the Broadway diva, so yes. of course she's not going to leave. She's like, I'm staking my claim here. She's back, baby. So, she died in 1984. She was 76 years old, so she died of, like, old age. Okay. So, nothing tragic that would, like, evoke a ghost, mm-hmm. except for the fact that she loved the spotlight. Aw. She had... She was known for her distinct voice, and she was always a leading role. Right. So leading lady through and through. Like you said, best known for Anything Goes, both the mm-hmm. musical and the movie. Annie, Get Your Gun, Gypsy, and Hello, Dolly. Yeah. She has a Tony and a Grammy. Wow. She was married four times, and her fourth <laughs> marriage lasted less than a year from the time she was married to the time that the divorce was finalized. Queen. Go off. 
So I would want to meet her ghost. Her signature song, which I think it's so cool that she had like a signature song. Yeah, no one really has those anymore. No. That it was like her performance, like Rachel Berry on Glee, Don't Brain on My Parade. Okay. Beat. Uh, there's no business like show business from Annie Get Your Gun. I've heard that one before. So she was also like, I feel like I would have kind of liked to hang out with her because she was notorious for like loving dirty jokes. Ah, and, like, Ethel. I know. And like her profanity. So there's this one really funny story where she was a guest star on the Loretta Young show and she was going to place a prop somewhere and she didn't know where it went. So she was like, where the hell does this go? And then Loretta Young, who was raised like a devout, strict Catholic, uh-huh. was like a little bit offended so she was like come on ethel you know my rules that'll cost you a dollar like put a dollar in the swear jar okay to which ethel replied tell me loretta how much will it cost me to tell you to go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) okay she's funny (laughs) she's also in one of my favorite comedy films of all time okay airplane i'm gonna look that up it's like a 1980 movie it is why did i think that was like a horror movie am i crazy airplane yeah. Oh it's, yeah. Look at I've, I've seen this ad before. So funny. <laughs> we'll watch it because it's it genuinely is one of the very few movies that if I was watching alone by myself I would be cracking up out loud. Oh my god! Like, it's so funny. So Ethel hasn't been seen in recent years, but she used to be a very active spirit, and people would hear her walking around. Mm-hmm. They would like hear notes from her signature song, which was pretty neat. <laughs> There's no business during Billy Elliot. The ballerinas in the show were haunted by a ghost named Fred. And Fred would swing open their bathroom and dressing room doors when they were getting changed on them. So Fred was a perv. Yes. He was like a little peeping Tom. Yeah. Those poor ballerinas. Yeah. But they reported that that he was like extremely active during the production of Billy Elliot. Okay. And then after that he was like, okay. He was like, I'm out of here. No more ballerinas. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually walked past the Imperial Theater when I was in New York this past weekend, Mm. and it looks like they're doing a lot of renovation right now. Is the Ah. theater closed right now? It looked like it was. Let me look it up. But it like actually looked creepy on the inside too. Really? Yes. If you like looked in, it you could. It's not hard to imagine that there's a diva haunting those halls. Yes. I wonder why she chose. Like, if I was like the diva of Broadway, like, and you had like your pick of any theater. I'm, like, I'm going Gershwin. I guess I, th- I think it is closed. Yeah, I wonder what their last show there was. I feel like it. The last know. show I found was, in oh, ain't too proud, which is the one. Oh about the right, 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 right. And apparently that one was like very popular. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the Gershwin Theater, which I just mentioned. Yeah. Do you want to get into the history of that? Yes, I would love to. So the Gershwin Theater is super interesting, kind of like funny slash interesting tidbits in its history so it opened in 1972 as the Eurus theater oh um and so honestly it's fairly new compared to all these other ones we're talking about early 1900s this was 1972 so comparatively speaking it's pretty very vintage yes (laughs) very not vintage right yes right i don't know why i said that but okay sorry so like I said, it was formerly known as the Eurus Theater, but and we'll get into that in a second. But it's known as the Gershwin Theater now. It's Broadway's largest theater, and Is it's it really? got mm-hmm, one thousand nine hundred and thirty-three seats. Oh, so almost two thousand seats. Wow. Yeah, right. I remember when we went to go see it. 
it was huge. Yeah. I was like, like massive. And especially now that you've probably like seen more, because when we saw it when we were little, like we've seen many more shows since then. Yeah. So yeah, it's huge. Um, and it's named after brothers George and Ira Gershwin, and they are super famous for writing several Broadway musicals. Again, they mm. were early 1900s. Um, you might have heard of An American in Paris, which actually, oh, yes. it's funny because it came out like a couple of years ago, but they had written the music for it for a movie, and then it was turned into a musical in like 2015-ish. Huh. Which So it's funny, it's like they had a musical come out in like 2015-ish, but like they died like way long ago, so... Interesting. interesting and then also porgy and bess is like a famous opera um, oh yes yeah, 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 yeah i'm I sure you've heard, heard the name yeah. yeah so the gershwin brothers were very big names in the theater world and the they still theater. are um the gershwin theater also contains the aforementioned american theater hall of fame which we were talking about oh, really? at the beginning of the episode yes like that's where the hall of fame itself is located wow so like i said it was originally called the Eurus theater and it was named for Percy Uris, who was the head of the Uris Building Company. Sorry, the Uris Building Corporation. Gotcha. The Uris Building Corporation built the theater within the Uris Building. Obviously, they like to name things after themselves. <laughs> and the Uris Building is now known as Paramount Plaza. Oh. And the Uris Theater is now known as Gershwin Theater. Gotcha. And allegedly, the Uris family's decision to name the theater after themselves became, and I quote, an object of ridicule in theatrical circles. So once they, when they named the theater after themselves, people were like making fun of them. Cause I mean, you do see like all these other places like are named after like one, we've only talked about one, but like the Richard Rogers theater. And then we're going to talk about like the Eugene O'Neill theater. Like they're named after all these like theater icons. Yeah. And this family comes in that like owns the, I mean, I'm sure their their company is obviously very successful, but it's like the Eurus Theater. That's a little bit conceited. It would be like calling it like the Home Depot Theater. You know what like, I mean? Like, so that is eventually changed to the Gershwin Theater. Good. And it had a lot of flops at first, quote unquote Ooh. flops. I mean, this, I'm sure the shows were still great, but just like, can box office apply to theater? Too? Yes, I okay. think so. But like box office wise, like it didn't start off on the best foot um but eventually they ended up being people didn't want to go to the urus theater yeah the urus like that just doesn't sounds urine yeah Yeah. like (laughs) interesting but eventually um but eventually the gershwin theater became home to sweeney todd love it starlight express which is a was super famous in the 80s i've heard of it yeah yeah and then the gershwin theater at first it kind of had a slow start it had a couple of shows that were not super successful but then eventually it got better it was home to sweeney todd starlight express and among many many others finally wicked started there in 2003 Um, such an iconic play also i in my notes i wrote that wicked has been running since 1923 (laughs) (laughs) which is not true it's been 2000 it's since 2003 Adele Dazim. The wickedly talented Adele Dazim. You know when she was on the scene in 1923. I'm scaring myself. So the Gershwin Theater has been home to Wicked for almost 20 years now. And the Tonys have also been hosted at the Gershwin Theater six times. Huh. So it's I guess since it's such a big place, it can fit so many people. Yeah, like, I guess so. Let's almost 2,000 people, here. yeah. Fun little tidbit. Starlight Express was the show that opened in 1987 at the Gershwin Theater. Okay. And when it opened, it set the record for the highest single week gross of any show 
in the Gershwin Theater and in Broadway history. Whoa. Which is crazy because, I mean, it is well known, but it's not like, like, I don't think I could name a song from Starlight Express. No, I couldn't. If you had asked me before, I would have said probably like Phantom of the Opera or maybe Les Mis. Yeah, but in 1987, at this point, and that might have been before both of those came out. Maybe not. But still, that's wild. Yeah, so it was, it was huge when it first came out. And then it broke its own record multiple times. Oh my god. And ultimately ended up grossing $617,000 during the last week of 1987. So that was super successful. So that sounds like a lot for the time, but unsurprisingly, Wicked ended up setting the box office record for the Gershwin Theater, you know, many times after that. I'm sure. In 2010, it became the first Broadway show to gross over $2 million in a single week. Not surprising. So Wicked held the record for the highest single week gross of any Broadway show until... Wait, I'm on the edge of my seat. I need to know who broke this record. Oh, you're going to die. That's the funny part. Wicked held the record for the highest single week gross of any Broadway show from its opening in 2003 until 2011. I'm dying to know who broke this. Guess who broke the record? 2011? Was it a new show in 2000? Yes, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're never going to guess it. It's like so obscure and it's known. The show that this is is known for being a huge fail. Really? Yes. So I was shocked when I read this. Uh, tell me. So the show that broke Wicked's record for the highest money made in a week was Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. No way. <laughs> yep. In 2011, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which is notorious for <laughs> being like- Did someone die during that? I think I think someone either got severely injured or, or maybe died. Like broke their back. Or there something. were multiple people. Yeah, like so we many things. I think an down. audience member got hurt. Like it was <laughs> the most. Funny. It reminds me of an Only Murders in the Building. I'm pretty sure they were like parodying yeah. Spider-Man, like in that part, like where Martin Short has like that musical called Dive. You know? Like, yes, how, like, yes. Like Splash. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man was like they, they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars and like. They went through so many scripts and like all like they it was like the most cursed show ever. But somehow I guess it, it created a buzz. Sort of like don't worry, darling. How like everyone wants to see it because of all the drama surrounding yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone wanted to see Spider Man because of all the drama surrounding it. Maybe they did it on purpose. And it only beat out <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, honestly, it only beat out Wicked by fifty eight dollars. Oh my god. Um, but that's like less than a ticket. I know. Yeah, I know. So it's crazy, but. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark held the title for a very brief moment in time. Oh, okay. And the Gershwin Theater now, so, but Spider-Man- Do you Spider-Man, know who holds it now? Yes. Well, I believe I know who it is. Can you guess who, who holds it now? Right now? Yeah. Do it's so like obvious. No, oh. I like it. It's so obvious? Is it running right now? Mm-hmm. It's so obvious, like, once you hear it, you're like, oh, duh. Like, I had to look it up. Uh, do I know this musical? Yes. So I'm pretty sure that right now, I believe it's Hamilton that holds the record for the most amount of money made in a week. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, it was like four million something. Impress. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I know. Impressive, but not surprising. Yeah. Because those tickets were going for like a thousand bucks Yeah, remember? Pop. That was crazy. That was wild. So, yeah. Um, and the Gershwin Theater itself, going back to the theater, um, its highest record is still held by Wicked, and it was when... Wicked grossed 3.4 million over nine performances in a week. Wow. I know, which I'm like trying to do the math in my head. Like if it holds about 2,000 people, right? The yeah. theater. And they do nine performances. 
what so that's like eighteen thousand people eighteen thousand people going to see that divided by 13 million like wouldn't each person have to pay like uh, like a million dollars for a ticket <laughs> like i know that's wrong but like in my head i'm like what if they have to pay so much money for a ticket i actually don't even want to comment on that because that's not making sense in my head either. yeah okay so we just won't we just won't even comment on that yeah, but anyway. yeah so gershwin theater is definitely known for mostly for wicked i would yes, say but um sure. and so honestly like since it's only been around since the 70s, I was curious if there were any haunts with this. Yes, there are, but not as many. And okay. it's they made it a point in the article, which I used, which I'll put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's through Playbill. Um, that there aren't as many haunts with this theater because... It's newer. It's 1972. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there are three ghosts. One that's very well known in like... Backstage, mm-hmm. his name is Drew, and he's nicknamed Dennis. So, like, depending on who you ask, his name is either Drew or Dennis. But he's the say, same person. It takes more effort to say Dennis than Drew. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is kind of weird. Uh, and then there's two other unnamed spirits. One is seen in jeans and a t-shirt, and the oh. other is seen in like an 1800s blue suit. Oh, that's quite a difference. Which I think it's kind of cute, actually. How like ghosts of like different time periods could be friends i like, know. You know what i'm saying i know it's also Why funny that he got me, stuck like, in like cute. a suit and she got to just wear like or he or she got to wear just like a t-shirt she's a t-shirt yeah <laughs> but during wicked flying monkeys so you know how like the one scene with all the flying yes. monkeys those in particular like targeted <laughs> they're targeted by the ghosts yes so they receive taps on the shoulder Ooh. and like the front of the house is extremely active. Oh. So if you're a flying monkey and you're standing there, you can almost guarantee like a tap on your shoulder. Oh, it's so creepy. Um, so this is so weird, but members of the cast would see other members and they would see them like, I don't know, say like backstage, right? Okay. And then they'd look out on the stage and they would be out on stage. Oh, that's weird. So they would see these people. Ooh, it's like they're shape shifting in multiple <laughs> places at the exact same time. Is that weird? And like, you know how they have like the catwalk up above stage. Yes. They would see someone walk across that, and then they'd see someone walk in the opposite direction across the stage. That's very bizarre. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I'm like, I don't even know if that's a haunting or like a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then spirits would obviously be seen disappearing through curtains or through walls. Classic. Yep. All right. I think we have two theaters left. Yes, so I believe we do. Take your pick. So next, let's talk about the Lyceum Theater, which opened back in 1903. So this is another super old one. Yes. It was the Lyceum is Broadway's oldest continually operating legitimate theater. The Lyceum has 922 seats, so this is actually the smaller. smallest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you look at pictures of it, which I'm sure we'll put it in the Instagram post, but it was definitely inspired by Roman art, the architecture of it. It sort of looks like a, what's the word? Like a temple. I don't know. It's got the pillars. It's like the white. It's very Greek. Um, so you know that you and I were at the Lyceum Theater together? Yes. Which I like, wish I remember what the outside looked like. I don't remember. It's the inside small. I remember was cool. Yeah. Very small on the outside. I remember when we saw Christmas Carol, um, there was that man who was, remember he was sitting behind us and he was being so cranky and rude? Yes. And my sister turned around and was like, or she was like purposely, so he would, she was like, someone's acting like Scrooge or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that. But anyway, the Lyceum, 
you might be wondering what the name means. Well, there's also another theater in London by the same name. Yes. So I looked up what Lyceum means, and it's actually an ancient Greek word. And according to Merriam-Webster, it means a hall for public lectures or discussion, or an association providing public lectures, concerts, and entertainment. So it's unsurprising that the theater is called the, Ly- the Lyceum because it basically means like a place where people gather for entertainment. Huh. So there's definitely Greek vibes, <laughs> ancient Greek vibes flowing throughout the theater. <laughs> flowing. And some notable shows include A Christmas Carol, which we saw. Yes. The Play That Goes Wrong, which was like a big play yes. a couple years back. I remember that. And Steel Magnolias. And it's held a couple of musicals, like Be More Chill, lest yes. we forget. <laughs> that show was like, got like, it was like horrible. When you were mentioning how Spider-Man Turn Off yeah. the Dark took the place of Wicked for a second, I yeah. thought you were going to say this, Be More Oh chill. my God. Well, did you know Be More Chill and um, Stephen Sondheim went to go see it and he left after, in, during intermission? Did he really? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Oh my god, imagine. I know, I know. I, I honestly feel a little bit bad for the actors. Like, yes. I would be so upset. Oh my god, I'd be so sad. But, anyway. God rest his soul. He's awesome. Aww, <laughs> Take that Stephen out. Sondheim. Okay, so, yeah, so it's held a couple musicals, like Be More Chill, and right now it's showing A Strange Loop, which is also a musical. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it won a bunch of Tonys, actually, this year. But they've definitely hosted far more plays than musicals at okay. the Lyceum. So that's I kind of the if, overview. I wonder if it's not. Maybe if the it acoustics doesn't exactly, or it doesn't lend itself to musicals or something. Yeah, but then you wonder why they did do some musicals. I don't know. I guess it just depends on like what's hot. Is right a strange now. loop like a super music heavy show? I don't really know anything about a strange loop besides that it has won a lot of Tonys. Huh. So I don't know. Interesting. I've been meaning to listen to it, but I just yeah, haven't. I have maybe to. we'll have to do that. Yeah, let's do it. I I found that there was one spirit that haunts the Lyceum Theater. I'm surprised there's not more, just because it's so old. Uh, And this was, like, actually hard to find, too. Like, it's not, like, broadcasted everywhere. But they do say that the Lyceum, there's a lot of, like, smaller ghostly occurrences there, like disembodied footsteps, taps on the shoulder. They say that that's more common, but there's really only one notable, notable spirit. Okay. Got it. And it's a famous choreographer known by the name of Bob Fosse. Yes. Yes. He's super famous. So he, yes, he had a flair for the dramatic and he was known for coming into the theater and he would only sit in the front row of the balcony and he would smoke a cigarette and watch the show. (laughs) You know, this is back in the day where divas. Where you would smoke a cigarette yeah. in the middle of a Broadway theater and no one, no one had anything, anything to say. They'd be like, there's Bob. So in 2016, Cheetah Rivera, who was at who played in Oh Hello okay. at the Lyceum, she had known Bob Fosse in life, mm-hmm. and she was just kind of hanging around on stage and she heard some other cast members and like maybe some crew members. Yeah say that they had heard weird sounds and smelled cigarette smoke up oh. in the balcony seats, but there's no reason that there should be, like, cigarette smoke Yeah, especially there. in this day and age. So she said that that was definitely Bob Fosse who came to watch his, quote, favorite actress perform. Oh, that's great. Which is that's really so cute, cute, actually. And then Aww. also it's noted that, like, audience members f- feel, like, a looming presence behind them. And then when Ooh. they turn around, like, 
there's no one there. Maybe that old man, that cranky old man was. I was just gonna say though, like the seats in the Lyceum were so if I close remember, together. They were very yeah. close together. So maybe I remember that's they, what didn't that they also was. give us that like popcorn balls or something in the middle of the performance? Yes, right? they did. Or like apples or something. Something they did. I I actually enjoyed seeing it. At yeah, the I Lyceum. liked it. It was really. It had cool. a really yeah. cool stage too. So do you wanna? end this off with our last theater that we're going to be covering on this episode. Yes, let's go. Our this final is one of my theater. favorites. Yes, I, I th- I'm actually glad that we saved this one for last. Yes, me too. So our final theater that we're going to be talking about today is the Eugene O'Neill Theater. Love it. The Eugene O'Neill Theater opened in 1925 as a part of a hotel and theater complex, which was named after the 19th century trap tragedian which like was named after like, tragedy so that's what i thought it was it actually just means like an actor who does tragedies so like you know how like a lot of shakespeare shows are, like are classified as like a comedy or a tragedy yeah so, so there's com- comedian and tragedian yes oh interesting yes i know right i had never heard, i hadn't really heard that i, I looked never it up heard too because i thought i was like is it like a sad comedian like what does it mean <laughs> it just means like an actor who um did a lot of yeah, comedy or tragedies, tragedies. yes and his name was Edwin Forrest. So that so it was originally named after Edwin Forrest. Um, and it had 1,108 seats. It still does. I don't know why I used past tense. So the hotel and theater complex was named after Edwin Forrest. And then after that, it was called the Coronet Theater. But now it's named after Eugene O'Neill, who was an American playwright. You might, unless you're like super into plays, like I, I feel like I know a lot of, like a good amount of plays, but like, I had only heard of a couple of them. One of his more famous works includes The Iceman Cometh, which I've won a couple of Tonys, yeah, like. a couple years ago. They revived it. And then also there was a play called Long Day's Journey Into Night that was pretty popular. So he has a lot of very popular plays, but I think they were just from, like, before our time. Yeah, And, yeah. like, before our grandparents' time, even. Gotcha. Um, something interesting, the playwright Neil Simon acquired the theater in 1967, and then he staged a bunch of his own shows there. So he wrote Odd Couple, Brighton Beach Memoirs. He's like a super famous playwright. And I thought it was so interesting okay. that he like bought the theater. Like yeah. you know, he owned it for a while. Um, so obviously Odd Couple played there, some other Neil Simon shows. But then some other popular shows were Death of a Salesman, Spring Awakening. Oof. And <laughs> Yeah, I know. Spring Awakening's tough. <laughs> Spring Awakening is one of those shows that I really just can't get into. I like the music, but like I could never. The music never is good. Do I the could. Show. Ne- oh, I could never. Yeah, but Leah Michelle and Jonathan Groff—they're great. Yeah, they're so great. And that. <laughs> How do you feel about Leah Michelle in Funny Girl? Which I can't believe we didn't discuss this at the beginning. I know. I I meant yeah. to actually when we were discussing the Ziegfeld Follies. Yeah. Because Fanny Bryce, who's the main character yeah. in Funny Girl. It was a Ziegfeld Folly. Yeah. And I was going to ask you what you thought of it. All right. Well, I do have a couple of thoughts. You can go first if you want. Okay. My thoughts on Liam. Well, I think Jonathan Groff is so talented. He's awesome. That's my thoughts on Jonathan Groff is I love him. My thoughts on Leah Michelle are that she is extremely problematic, but she's also really talented. Mm-hmm. So it's really frustrating when like, people who are that problematic get that much recognition and talent but I do think 
that she is very well fit for the role that she's in right now. She definitely sounds great from like the bootleg TikToks that I've seen. Well, those are so interesting. Yeah, I'm like, and they're such high quality. I'm like, how do they do this? How do they sneak that? I know. And then also, I love the TikTok trend right now where people are actually going to the show dressed up as Sue Sylvester, who's like the that's pretty funny coach the from coach Glee. Glee. And apparently, she uh, it's Jane Lynch. Yeah, she yeah. thinks it's hilarious. So oh, because Jane Lynch was in was the show, in it, right? Yeah, before. and then she quit. Love yeah, Michelle. Well, oh my god, just so life imitates art. I completely agree with you on, like, everything you said. I do feel bad for Beanie. I feel like she was mistreated. Like, they kind of yes. set her... I feel like they set her up for failure. They really did, I I don't feel know like... what the goal was, but I don't know. She did, definitely did not deserve all the hate she was getting. No, but Julie Banco now is on Thursday nights. And she's really, really good. She's excellent. I've seen. So She's probably, like, my favorite. Yeah, if I were to go see Funny Girl, I would want to go see it on, on a Thursday, Thursday night. night I totally agree. But that being said, Leah Michelle is... Fortunately, unfortunately, very talented. Yeah, she's very talented. And but that's a, just an objective statement. Yeah. But Beanie, you're a queen. We're sorry for everything People that happened. People are cruel. Yeah. Keep your head up, girl. You deserve the best that's that's coming to you. Uh, Beautiful. You should get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> you best, deserve the best. The best that's, that's coming, coming to you. To you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where um, were we? But anyway, so they had... Some big shows like Odd Couple, Spring Awakening, and the most recent is Book of Mormon, which has been on since 2011. Great. So, I love Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon is one of those shows. Book of Mormon, if there is a show that I'm going to keep going back to and going back to and going back to, it's Book of Mormon. I think it's, without a doubt, the funniest Oh, absolutely. Ever. Like, in Ever. history. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, there is not even another show that comes close yeah, to it. I agree. It is so funny. When we went to go see it the most recent time, mm-hmm. and this happened when you and I went to yeah. go see it too, but people would, they left it intermission because they were, like, they so offended. Realize. Which, I understand if you're going into it not knowing. But it's also been on Broadway for, like, 12 years now. So you should probably have a little bit of more yeah, of an idea of the show that you're going to see. Like maybe give, if you know that a show is going, is known for being racy. like really racy and like really dark in- humor, offensive. inappropriate, yeah. offensive humor, and it's made by the creators of South Park. Then you should know. And you get offended, maybe give the soundtrack a listen because yeah, the, f- the fourth song on that soundtrack is really kind of, it just sets the mood for the rest of the show. So... Which, the fourth song? Yeah, Hasadiga Evil Oh Eye, yeah, that which one. I'm not going to What were we talking about? I, 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 we were saying how I, I used to feel guilty when I listened oh, to I that when I was Oh, I literally little. would not listen to it when I was a kid because I was like... Uh. Anyway, but... but Great show. Book of Mormon is incredible. One like of the best. I said, soundtrack, I'm never gonna skip Man Up ever. It's so good. There are really no skippers in that. There's really yeah, right? no, there's not. They're I can't even good. think of like No, there's not one yeah. single song that I would skip on that album. Big fans. Love Book of Mormon. And do you follow I'm totally blanking on his name, but he's the really he's the Famous TikToker who's yes. now in... I know who you're talking about. Yes. He's playing Elder like McKinley or something, right? Yeah. Or Elder Price? Elder... It's not Elder Price, but it's McKinley. like... It might be Elder Grant. Turn it off? That guy? No. He, I think he's Elder Grant. Okay. 
So one of the other elders, but okay. he's maybe he's Elder Bray. I don't know. I'll cut this out. He plays one of the elders, and yeah. he is TikTok excellent. Famous, yeah. yeah, he just like I would like to go see him while he's in it, but Ooh. I want to go back already. Fans. I really like. I saw it this summer, and I really am already itching to go back and see it again. So if you went and went to go see it again, would you see any haunts there? I would certainly keep my eye out. Ooh. There is one female and one male ghost. Okay. And they do classic ghost shit. They're they're on the classic grind. Um, props are pushed off shelves. Of course. And then was when Sweeney Todd was in the midst of its run, gardening shears and razors would fall from shelves or be flung, which oh, is wow. really dangerous. That's super dangerous, especially if they weren't like just props. If they were actually sharp. They were actually sharp. Ooh. And so they were that was like kind of an issue. Yeah. Um props were hidden as well. Okay. One actor had some sort of prop whistle that he put in the coat in the pocket of his coat mm-hmm. and it was like taken out of there and he couldn't find it and no one could find it and then there was a group of crew members that were downstairs like underneath the stage and there was a pile of what they call dead clothes Mm -hmm. that aren't in the production there's no reason for anyone to be near them or touching them and they went to go move it and the whistle fell out like weird okay weird how did that get in there and then speaking of sweeney todd Patty Lapone, who was Mrs. Lovett in the 2005 revival, yeah, she was particularly targeted by these spirits. Interesting, like nothing Patty malevolent, do? but okay. she just like maybe she had like a little bit of like sensitivity, like spiritual sensitivity. Yeah. Um, but she would bump into invisible people, so she would either like bump shoulders with someone who wasn't there. She'd feel like she was stepping on someone's foot, and she'd turn around to apologize, and there was and no, no one, one there. there. Um, so she was constantly like apologizing okay. to people that weren't weren't there behind the stage. Oh my god! Um, her dressing room doors would open and close on their own. She would always smell lilacs for some reason, mm-hmm. which I know we've mentioned before. Like ghosts can communicate through causing you to smell something. Mm-hmm. So like in the Farnsworth house with the rose perfume. Yes, throwing it back way back. Um, her hair would always be tugged and then on stage in the middle of her performance she would hear someone whisper her character's name into her ear oh wow they were, they were really targeting her Just like this is love yeah that would talk about creepy. taking you out of character and then one other actor merwin ford was taking a nap between rehearsal and the actual showtime mm-hmm. and he had mentioned to someone like you know wake me up before i have to go mm-hmm. on and he was peacefully sleeping and then the next thing he knew he was being shoved out of the cot that he was on oh wow and he was alone in this room okay. so he was like who did that but he woke up and he realized that he was like a few seconds away from missing his cue oh wow so he attributes like the spirit as a helpful spirit that's a very helpful spirit but that's that. So that pretty much wraps up like the haunts. And I think we're only planning on covering those five theaters for this episode. Mm-hmm. If there's an interest to go into some other ones, there's no shortage of haunted theaters oh, on Broadway. Yeah. So, but those are our five main ones that we're going to be covering on this episode. Overall, I would not be scared to go into any of these theaters. No. They all seem very sweet and helpful, honestly. Or mischievous yeah. at worst. Yeah, and honestly, 
there's no demonic entities. There's no malevolent intent here. It seems like it just seems like these people loved their job as an actress or a chorus girl or a choreographer so much that when they died, they weren't ready to. Yeah, give they up were like, spotlight. I don't want to leave. Yeah, they're like, I'm gonna stay I here. I would either. If you love your job so much that you come back to it in the afterlife, that's there's something to be said for that. And if you make it on Broadway. I'm not. If I you're entitled body, to keep that for the rest. Yeah, I for would, how yeah long that's quite the accomplishment. So yeah, flex it as long as you want. Absolutely. Those were really fun, though. I really like. I that. loved this episode. I love talking about things that we're passionate about. I know. I know that we both said that we're closeted Disney adults. Yes. I'm proud theater theater adult. As am I. As am I. They're intertwined with each other. Absolutely. So thank you guys very much for listening. We will have another episode out next week. And to everyone who's been listening and downloading, especially our Watcher House episode. Yes. Thank you so much. Be sure to leave a review um, wherever you're listening to this because it really does help us out. Absolutely. And if you have any ideas or comments or stories, just be sure to DM us at east.coast.haunts on Instagram or email us east.coast.haunts at gmail.com. Anything else to add, MK? Um, Make sure you're following our Instagram if you're listening to our episodes because we do post pictures and little things that we talk about in the episode so that you guys can have a visual that accompanies the episode. So make sure you're giving us a follow on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, give our Facebook page a like because we post all of the stuff that we post on our Instagram on Facebook as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, Again, sign up for our mailing list because that's going to be coming out soon. And that's pretty much it, I think. Keep an eye out for a new episode coming next week. And until then, we're just two ghouls. Creeping it real. Bye. Bye, guys.